shout out to the Australian crowd. Relentless, right? It's been a while since we've seen so much representation from the Aussies at the Australian Open. Of course, Barty being the icing on the cake. Highlight of this one is me realizing that Ash Barty is younger than me. At some point, her age got mentioned and I'm like, what? Why this disparity? Why? Man, there have been French Open champions who have seemed to fizzle out. something over Gui, your voice just modulated into like Thor or something. <laughs> yeah, dude. Gui called his co-finalist a donut. And a knob. And, and a knob. Shots fired. Shots fired. Rafael Nadal. It's it's time now. I think it's time. Hey everyone, welcome back to an all new episode of All About Sports. The podcast, a sports podcast weekly for the fans, by the fans. Joining me today are a couple of my co-hosts, Shubham Malu. Hey guys. And Aniket Gui. What up boys? And I'm Azhar Gadiwala. And just before we get into this week's episode, just a quick reminder of what we discussed last week. Last week, we ended up discussing domestic abuse in sports and some of the incidents in recent times with athletes and whether idolization of sports persons should still be done or is there a way to probably figure out a way around this and move ahead. Uh, This week, we'll be discussing the recently finished Australian Open. Firstly, Rafael Nadal, obviously, everyone knows this, winning a record 21st Grand Slam finally broke that deadlock between Federer, him and Djokovic. Of course, lots of controversy around Djokovic. You can check out that. We've already discussed that a few episodes back. So you can find that in our playlist as well. But this time, let's just go through and let's take in what was obviously dramatic, started off being dramatic before it with the Djokovic incident. Of course, Murray came in and played, had a terrible time was quite frustrated, frankly, not only with his performance, but a lot of the other things going on. Nick Kyrgios never fails to amaze us and entertain us. And obviously, Ashley Barty being Australian, winning the Australian Open, happening after 44 years since the last time it happened. I think it was 1978 when it happened last. So, Gui, I'm going to go to you first. What was your highlight of the Australian Open? And who do you want to give a shout-out to? Shout-out to, uh, well, the Australian crowd. Uh, relentless, right? Like, they, on one end, they're fueling on uh, uh, Kyrgios and Kokinakis with the same word. They're frustrating Andy Murray and some other players. Like <laughs> Even Medvedev, for that matter. Like, this, it's just, it is truly the Grand Slam for the people. You know, this is where you seem to have the most fun in terms of how supportive the crowd is. They don't really jeer at you like uh, they do at the US Open, right? There's no... uh, uh, Even even when they are supporting their country, uh, men and women, but they're not really putting the other person down. US Open, you hear a lot of booze. You don't really hear them going around uh, at the Australian Open. So huge shout out to the crowd because they really make it... uh, a splendid watch um, for those of us back at home. 
and uh, highlight highlight of this one is me realizing that ash bharti is younger than me like i don't know some, at some point her age got mentioned and i'm like what all these achievers are younger than me <laughs> <laughs> so fun fact gui fun fact about that even i was shocked when i saw ash bharti is just 25 because she started playing when she was 15 and she was not not in the limelight because she was aussie she was in the limelight because she made what three finals in the doubles grand slams i think she made the final at wimbledon the australian open and the french open if i'm not wrong and then she ended up winning the us open uh, grand slam doubles title as well so it's crazy when you talk about it she started at 15 so I... she's actually been in the circuit For does so that, long, for ten pic- years. There's that picture of her going around, which seems like it's from the eighties. I'm like, excuse me, you're not doing her justice. Like, how dare you say that? <laughs> That's a picture of a childhood. Someone dialed back that photo a few years. So this, I was just amazed. And this, the point is that she's been in the limelight for the last two or three years. And uh, in that uh, similar span, there have been French Open champions who It, have seemed to fizzle out. You change something over. Gui, your voice just modulated into like Thor or something. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> One minute. Wait, wait. I let let me. <laughs> You're using some voice recognition, voice change software or something. So my my point is that there have been a few French Open champions who just won it once and then fizzled out in the same amount of time that she's come to the limelight and sustained, you know, well the being in the public uh, side. And having so much pressure of winning, considering she plays almost every Australian Open, and she's done so well for herself in terms of how many is this a third slam? Second, third? I don't really this know. This is her third slam. Yes, this is her third slam. I'm sorry, Ash. She has. <laughs> she's just. I think she's just the U.S. Open away from finishing the career slam. Then. That's such such a good thing. And she's twenty five. Turning twenty six this year, I think. Uh, it's absolutely brilliant. So, and of course, uh, I think Rafa is going to get mentioned on the podcast a few more times. So I'm going to avoid saying much. Just the fact that, just the fact that, if none of the top top three, okay, the golden era top three happen to be playing a slam, it it's almost unbearable to watch. Is what I'm going to say. Like the men's game is so far back. Uh, as compared to the standards they have, you know, gotten us used to over the last twenty-ish years, that is almost something out of our. Yeah, we are spoiled when it comes to the men's circuit, witnessing these three goats. Uh, but, but now let's go to Shubham. Shubham, you love Kyrgios. You love his antics on the court. He's a funny guy. We've shared so many, so many reels of his only on our <laughs> podcast as well. I was shocked when I saw that he won the Grand Slam. I, I, honestly, I thought that one day I want to see this guy winning a singles Grand Slam. But for, I mean, fair enough. He won the men's doubles. Thoroughly enjoyed watching every game of his, whether it was singles or doubles. Uh, the super case or special case, as they are called. Sorry, it's the special case. Kokinakis and Kyrgios. Has tennis ever seen a more dynamic? And entertaining character. So I I think I think with Kyrgios now. Firstly, do you guys know which round did he lose in the singles? 
I think it was the quarters, if I'm not wrong, because he got knocked out. Of fourth by, round. Yeah, pre-quarters or quarters? Yeah, what of okay. the two? He, Anyways, but he, he lost. In yeah, of, yeah. In terms of he lost to was... Medvedev. He lost to Medvedev. So it was. Oh. Okay, if he lost to him, then okay, fine. But <laughs> generally speaking, the singles, I thought he should have performed a little better. But if he lost lost to Medvedev, then well, Medvedev Benilson was very very good. But uh, yeah, good for him that he won the doubles. But I tell you one thing about Kyrgios that I really like. And if you even sit and think about it, when this guy broke out on the scene. Sorry, sorry, Shobham. It was in the second round itself, but he did lose. Second to round, see exactly. Yeah, oh, yeah, but it was Medvedev. It was still so. Medvedev anyway. Okay, but so one thing that I like. If you guys remember when he broke out on the scene with the underarm serve, with his attitude and antics, he was becoming very soon becoming the bad boy of tennis and getting that sort of publicity. But fast forward and now, people actually like him. They find him entertaining. Underarm serve has become a thing where actually people use it as strategy and tactics while serving. So I, I think he's definitely got a new element to the sport. He has got his he has his own set of fans, and in Australia, he's really loved. I think there was also this time when um, the Australian fires broke out, and he held a charity event where he got all the big stars before the Australian Open to take part in it. So he's definitely he has a fan base. He's really loved, and I I think he's very good for uh, for tennis in general because you you need personalities. You know, like in any sport, you need personalities. You need people to have to bring about discussions amongst fans. And and like how Gui mentioned, in terms of playing in terms of playing potential after the top 3 there's no one so i think characters who can add some drama bring in some entertainment and i think kirios is someone who has has the ability to uh, get a crowd going uh, maybe not for his playing but at least for for the stuff that he does so yeah i really like the guy man i just wish uh, he actually manages to win uh, at least one single grand thing I'll, i'll be very happy one minute he he, he called his uh... Co-finalist, a donut, <laughs> and a knob, and, and a knob. knob. <laughs> What a guy! Pure entertainment. I don't think he knows uh, how to act otherwise than he does, which is what makes it endearing, right? At some yeah, exactly. At some level, okay. I'm not going to say completely endearing, but the fact that he's just being himself, which is not something which is advisable when you're playing a sport, right? You need to act a certain way, especially when it comes to a game like tennis. <laughs> Shots fired! Shots fired! I tell you what, with the way Djokovic has behaved now before the Australian Open with this entire drama, I I, I really respect him a lot as a tennis player. That will always be the case. But certainly as a, as a fan, I just feel like like dude, yeah, come on, man, take it easy. Well, that that's for a different day and time. Honestly, yeah, like. Yeah. the morality and all of that comes in people also respect his decision to stick by what he by his beliefs squeeze one of them as well the only problem being that he tried to like cheat his way into the into the tournament which which is what the issue was and the furor was against right um anyway it's time to get to the positives we've been having a lot of negative talks recently in this podcast Time to move back to some of the positives. Australia can be supremely proud of the performance of their uh, players. It's been a while since we've seen so much representation from the Aussies at the Australian Open. Of course, Barty being the icing on the cake, Kyrgios Kokkinakis winning the doubles, but also the other finalists also being two Aussies against them. So nothing more to enjoy from an Australian f- fan 
point. I like. I remember the days of Leighton Hewitt, where there was that. There was always that hope. Like, come on, Leighton's going to do it. Leighton's going to do it. But then, who did he have? Federer, Roddick. Then slowly Nadal coming up. Uh, so it was always going to be tough for him back then. So positives only, and yeah, like Gui said, they weren't booing people, but they were. They were saying throughout. <laughs> So Ronaldo transcends this globe clearly. I wish he could score more goals for the club also, but so that's also it. another topic, I guess. Another, another. <laughs> we need to be positive today. So sorry, we really got into this. I forgot to highlight what happened just now, as before recording this episode. the The IPL auctions just wrapped up. Ishan Kishan was the most expensive buy. He was rebought by Mumbai Indians, but for fifteen point two five crores. That is ridiculous amounts of money. I'm I don't know the translation in pounds and dollars, so forgive me. So forgive me for that, but it's a lot of money. <laughs> and if, imagine if he's he was more expensive than Pat Cummins. He was basically more than double the price of Pat Cummins, just to put that into context. So how old is the and, I don't know. He's young. He's younger than us, like Gui said. But <laughs> still, so frustrating, man. So frustrating. <laughs> what did we do wrong in our lives? Like why? We didn't why this cricket, dis- yeah. That's what we did wrong in our lives. Why this play- disparity, man? Why? <laughs> Gui, you're on mute. Kishan Kishan is 23 years old. Just saying. Um, man, that's painful, yeah. That's just painful to hear, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, uh, moving on. Back to tennis, back to the Australian Open. Rafael Nadal, it's it's time now. I think it's time. 13 French Open titles. That itself is, like when you think of it, people winning 13 Grand Slams is only out of, like it's not even in people's dreams to win one Grand Slam for some. He won 13 French. He, he has four Australian, uh, sorry, four US Open titles. Two Wimbledon. Mazar, Mazar is just shocked with the amount of Grand Slams Nadal has won. He can't fathom it. He's struggling with calculating it. By the time Mazar manages to you know, fix this, just just say 13 French Opens versus Pete Sampras's record, which stood for a very long time of 14 Grand Slams in all. Just that put that into context. Like he's. <laughs> I, I sorry, I don't know where I got got cut off, but thanks, Gui. So yeah, like just putting that into perspective is ridiculous, right? When you think of it, to think of all he's been through. I remember a time when he started his career, right? Everyone said, "Oh, he's not going to last for very long." Everyone kept saying that he's going to, like, his game was based on physicality. Eventually, age will tell. His legs will give in. His knees will give way. Roll on 2022, this man stands at the pedestal. You know, in fact, one more fun fact. He's the only fourth tennis player. Uh, I think I think this is mainly only the fourth. men's circuit. Only tennis player, male, male tennis player to win um, every Grand Slam at least twice. That's yeah. unbelievable. Dude. And there are very few people. It's this guy, Djokovic. And I don't know who the other two are, but it's not Federer. Because <laughs> Federer's won only one uh, French yeah. Open. But yeah, sick, man. What a guy. What a guy, man. Uh, I was just looking at Rafa's record also. 
like he's legit like records wise he is the goat he's won the gold medal at the olympics which that all, all the most all the no federer just won it in doubles oh okay um, no one singles yeah he's not won it in singles i think the only he's a five time davis cup winner as well it's <laughs> it's crazy the guy's won literally everything the, the only thing he doesn't like- have is a doubles title I- Okay, so don't count the doubles. I think the one thing he doesn't, if I'm not mistaken, is the one which happens between the ATP top ATP finals. Yeah, the one that yes, one. Yes, the ATP finals. That's, but that's what is that? What is the competition called? Is it pronounced as the Labor Cup? No, no, the, no. Europe no, versus rest of the world. What is that thing? Yeah, yeah that's, that's the Labor Cup. Labor Cup, but right? So this year, Labor Cup, Federer and Nadal are back as teammates. Yes, that'll be, that'll be fun. Yeah. <laughs> but but anyway, like apart from all this. what i will also say is ashley barty's actually we had this discussion right about how female tennis players have lack consistency at the top level also we were spoiled by the men's circuit but i think there i'm slowly seeing that consistency coming in in terms of the names you are seeing the familiar uh, the familiar names now barty's been very consistent she's been i mean she's practically won a grand slam every year right now at least one of them just Oh, how many that she start she won in 2019 then she won in 2021 and 2022 so 2020 was okay. covid anyway so what about these athletes that. where are, where are the uh, neomi osaka koko are they still around so osaka was there again lost in do well so the names are there but i'm saying that like iga swiatek we thought she's also going to be like a one time player after she won the french open but she's look good according to me she look good at the us open she look good in the australian open as well so i'm seeing slight consistency and it's good it's good the women's game women's game needs it because it's more of a spectacle yes the final barty went up against a finalist who was a first time finalist but at least there was barty so i think if the women's game can just find a few more players who are going to play at this high level i'm sure the game will get better from a women's standpoint as well just wanted to highlight one controversy apart from the jokovic incident was there was a big outcry about how the differently able players that's the wheelchair tennis players there's this massive pay disparity between them and the regular players as well and that's been a concern raised of course we know that male and female tennis players are now almost at parity in terms of pay uh, so what's your take on that guys I, i mean of course it's not for us to decide but do you think it will happen see my idea about equal pay is very simple uh irrespective of gender if you bring in that sort of money you earn that sort of money if you don't bring in that sort of money then and then after you ask for equal pay and f- whatever fair play or what is it doesn't make sense to me if you and i are working in an organization both make the organization 1 million pounds both are both should get a 10% cut and fine fair enough now if you're making 500000 now i'm making 1 million and you're sitting and crying about getting equal pay because you're also doing the same job and have the same uh, academic degree or putting in the same hours not fair so i have a very clear take on it but uh, i'm sure the federation would come up with something I I mean Malu has never been wrong about this take right you can't I mean where is 
uh, where are the organizer going organizer going to generate the money from to pay someone equally now the keyword being equally right yeah if you're not drawing in equal amounts of revenue for them they will not be paying you equally uh, which is what kind of happens yeah, across most sports but yes um, something to uh, ensure that it's still equitable uh, maybe i don't know how it works out if if i would if i would suggest something like you know in the same proportion as the revenue you draw you never know maybe uh, one side draws fewer uh, viewership or less of viewership than uh, the amount they are already getting now so that's a very uh, different conversation but yes i i hope that you know everyone's uh, demands so to speak are at least heard of and considered going on yeah it's a tough one honestly when i think about it it's like i understand their point of view where the athletes come from as well uh it's not their fault that they can't draw that viewership if you know what i mean it's just less glamorous to a lot of people right but what must tell me one thing and out here i'm not talking about uh, uh like the disabled tennis or the wheelchair tennis uh, i don't even want to comment on it because i do not exactly know that sport or know the rules of the sport and that is a very like even like touchy topic to get into so i don't want to get into stuff like that we're just talking about male tennis and female tennis now just think from an athlete point of view if if either side of the of of the tennis players is asking for equal what is the justification like there needs to be a justification na if you ask so, for money which is a which you're discussing finances your justification needs to be finance driven how can you say we're putting in the same hours or like whatever you know what do you think is is their point of view no so i, I mean i i think it's simple it, it's not about the point it's not about the hours the, their take and what i've read at least from some, whichever elite athlete spoke about it from the female side they are saying that we would play five sets if you told us to you don't now the rules have come about since the olden days as so the three sets rule applies but they had no problems in playing five set rules so they were saying that it's not that the stadium that the court is not filled up for the females final it's not that the courts aren't filled like center court is always filled for pretty much any top female tennis player so in terms of that there's no difference maybe on a global scale viewership yes there i'm sure there there will be some disparity but when you talk about the hardcore fans of tennis which are a lot on even on a global scale global case they will sit and watch it so so what they are saying is like in terms of viewership and all of that there's not much of difference and even if there is it'll only it's only because you have the federer nadal djokovic the times you remove them then it's pretty much equal like you probably won't even see that disparity I'll... so their point is just that you can't tell us that you are paying us less because we play three sets because it, they didn't make the rules just to put an example out there you know someone uh, one of my close friends has mentioned this to me like every time you are trying to analyze the situation normally put uh, put an outlier over there okay so if, just imagine ash party playing simona alep okay in a first round 
versus the 200 seed versus and are you playing as the 199 seed in the men's circuit which one would you choose and yet the, the ash party and simona Alap would make fewer money or lesser money as compared to the guys on the men's circuit just because the first round pay is more and okay maybe the slams have equalized it but there are I, I think there are only four slams as opposed to like what 30 ATP events a year exactly I completely understand from a business standpoint but I also understand the flip side of the female tennis players making the argument because like 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 I already said they claim that they didn't make the rules which they didn't do so they are and and obviously the argument was saying that they play five sets so it's longer hours people pay more to watch them and this and all that stuff so anyway that's we can there'll never be a right or wrong answer to this we can just live with it <laughs> and anyway it's the none of this money is coming into our pockets in fact it's going from our pockets so <laughs> <laughs> that's a different thing okay just to now you know finally end this podcast guys french open will be coming very soon just a quick prediction for the men's and women's just singles let's do that because we don't know what the doubles pairings will ever be right <laughs> so, so do you see rafa winning a 14th now given that he'll have a jump in his step he's looking fit also no injuries touch wood um, do you think it's going to be Rafa making it 14 and 22? Or do you see someone else? And uh, who do you think will lift the women's French Open title? I think for men's, uh, I think it's going to be Djokovic. I, I mean, think... there's it's iffy now if he'll be allowed to play because there's a lot yeah, of yeah, controversy. Of course, of course. Of course. There's a lot of controversy. He might not even be allowed to play the ATP tournaments now in places. Yeah, Cincinnati's to... also said no. Apparently. Subject to Djokovic actually playing, I think Djokovic would, uh, for, for me, be my favorite to win the French Open. Only because keeping him in Nadal is okay. He's performed except, exceptionally well in the Australian Open. Uh, he came back from a, a bad uh, ankle injury or something like that, but he's won it. But uh, let's face it, if, if it was Nadal Djokovic, I would have still favored Djokovic in the Austrian Open. And I think the French Open also, I think, I think it's going to be Djokovic. If he's, if he's not playing, then yeah, it's Nadal. Women's tennis, uh, I don't I don't know too much about women's tennis. So that I leave to Gui and you. Okay. Again, the caveat is that Djokovic does end up playing, right? Then he is the obvious choice. But I don't I, I don't mind putting my money on Dominic team when it comes to the French Open. Just because it's gonna be an odd bet. Okay, but uh I think he is a very strong contender on clay. Uh, he's got the goods. He's got the big uh, serve and the single-handed backhand down the line, which is absolutely amazing to watch, just by the way. Uh, it's one of the most glorious-looking shots. I've played, I've, you know, it, Federer glorified it. And this guy has a very good one in his lock. I've not really uh, liked anyone else's single-handed backhand. There are a lot of players who played it, but this one is top-notch and the down-the-line one is just great. I'm saying it again and again because he has one critical points on it. It's not like an off or wayward shot for him. It's one of his go-to. And in the women's draw, I would 
I would love to see Ash Barty get on a role. Just, just because it's splendid, and uh, maybe uh, Iga Swatek can reclaim uh, her title, but Ash Barty is different gravy. Although might not be the case on clay. What do you think, Mas? I think uh, the French Open. I think it's important to highlight that Medvedev is proving to be an also of his specialist. So it's going to be interesting to see if he. I think he'll have a spring in his step, but then again, Sitsipas has also been good. But I think Sitsipas has peaked for me. Like, I think it's like I don't think he can go beyond the level he's at. He'll need a lot to go his way to succeed in the French Open. So I wouldn't bet. Team's a good shout, honestly. But I'm interested. I, I, I I'm gonna go with Rafa. I'm a Rafa guy. I've got to go with him, no matter what people say. He performs when everyone doubts him as well. So. Rafa for me. You know, and... one reason why I didn't I didn't even mention Medvedev in the conversation because although I, he he was exceptionally good in the on the Australian Open, but for a guy to be two sets up and then to lose, uh, according to me, sh- shows one thing is mental toughness, which when it comes to Djokovic, so he's another level only, but Nadal is also a very very mentally tough guy, so I think that's somewhere which Medvedev perhaps lacks, and maybe that is that is the clutch thing that he still needs. That's the reason I think maybe maybe he might fall short, but yeah, Djokovic or Nadal. Fair enough. And for me, women's I think Swiatek, Barty. You're right. Those were my two shouts as well. I've been disappointed by how underwhelming Osaka has been recently. Uh, probably still a mental game for her because she still got it physically. So if she can just overcome those ghosts mentally, I think it'll be a very very interesting. Three-way battle. So, thanks, Gui. Thanks, Shubham. Always a pleasure. And to all those who tuned in, thank you very much. Share your thoughts on what were your surprises at the Australian Open, and who are you looking forward to leading into May's French Open as well. Till then, take care, stay safe, and we'll see you soon. Bye bye. If you like this episode, make sure to leave a like and share it with anyone else who might be interested. You can also subscribe on any social media platform that you prefer, and all our links are in the bio. We also have a website with all our episodes as well as blogs and a whole lot of other sports content, so make sure to check that out as well.